Hello, everyone, and welcome to Consumer Watchdog's Rage for Justice Report, our weekly conversation about the current issues we are exposing, confronting, and changing. I'm your host, Carmen Balber, Executive Director of Consumer Watchdog, and this week we're going to talk about something we've touched on on the podcast before and we'll continue to discuss, which is medical negligence and specifically the crisis of maternal uh, and infant mortality. Um, what it means in uh, communities across California, specifically communities of color that are hit hardest by this crisis, and how both state regulators and the law in the state fail to hold doctors accountable when mothers and babies are, are harmed. So my guest for this uh, this week's edition, which is the Father's Day edition of the Rage for Justice report, are Xavier DeLeo and Tracy Dominguez. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, Tracy and Xavier. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, we're all talking over each other. Um, thank you for having us, Carmen. Appreciate Absolutely. it a lot. We, we really appreciate the work that you guys are doing, um, which maybe I'll, I'll introduce just a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I know Xavier and Tracy um, because they were forced into becoming advocates for change after a tragedy that no father, no mother should ever have to suffer through. Um, Tracy's daughter and Xavier's fiance, Demi Dominguez, passed away because of a well-known and eminently uh, treatable complication of pregnancy, uh, preeclampsia. And Demi and Xavier's son, Malachi, lived for only 18 hours before he also passed away. Uh, I, I can't fathom your loss. I appreciate so much the two of you joining me to talk about this. And maybe before we get what happened, uh, Xavier, you can just tell me a little bit, tell me a little bit about Demi and you know how it felt when you guys learned you were expecting your first child. Okay. Um, yeah. So Demi, uh, me and Demi had uh, met in college, um, became good friends, and started hanging out. But um, Demi was. I mean, she was literally perfect, like the best kind of the best life partner you could have um, that I can ever imagine or wish for. Um, she was very loving, um, very compassionate. She loved to help others a lot, too. Um, and when we uh, tra- sorry, the transition, when we went over to uh, when I found out we were having a baby, um, you know, just like, and I feel like just like any other father, you're kind of scared or anybody, I think, in general, is kind of scared at first because it's obviously unknown because it hasn't happened yet. Um, but I was also happy and excited at the same time, you know, nervous. All these different emotions are kind of going through you when you find out something like that. Um, so, you know, both of us are excited and then we, we uh, threw a gender reveal and... Mm-hmm. You know, had a big party, had a lot of family over, uh, family and friends, and really just celebrated, um, you know, welcoming a new life. And when we found, when I found out it was a boy, um, I mean, I was like overly ecstatic because that's, I feel like a lot of guys would want their first child to be a boy. Well, at least for me. But um, when I found out it was a boy, I was really uh, overjoyed because. I mean, that's just what I wanted. So it was kind of perfect how it happened that way. And then, and then, um, 
everything was going well. You had the party. Um, but then Demi started experiencing uh, pains and went to the ER. Yeah, um, she was, I don't think it was necessarily pain. Um, I know Tracy would be able to touch on that a little bit better than me. She was, um, she didn't feel good. And um, she started to like feel swollen and she's like, I feel swollen. I just don't feel good. And and um, she came in and she was like scared. Look, you know, your children, you know, when there's like the scared look. So she was trying to, you know, like she was holding it together and she called her doctor and they couldn't get her in. And my sister, you know, decided, hey, let's check your blood pressure. And we realized it was high. So we decided just to go to labor and delivery upstairs because she really liked, you know, the facility there. So she, I guess she was already re- registered. That's why you go straight up to the labor and delivery then to ER, which mm-hmm. I regret that. Um, and then that's when the night, you know, because, because she just, she didn't feel good. And he just totally, um, his comment was, like, we didn't even know it was the doctor. We were standing in front of the desk. His comment was, she said, I don't feel good. I feel swollen. I just don't feel right. And I, and he looked and he goes, well, what did you eat today? And, you know, she said, well, I ate some Mexican food. And he said, well, that's why you're swollen. You ate Mexican food. And if you were to eat pizza, you will blow up even bigger. Well, immediately she got embarrassed because he's the front of the desk of five women. And then that's when um, they took her back into the room. And they did realize that her blood pressure was high at that point. And the nurse came in and just tried to, like, she, was, she didn't really do her job herself, and she was talking about herself more than, like, asking questions. So I, that should have been this. Those two should have been the big flag, but, you know, that's where it all started. The nightmare rolled into just the negligence, one right after the other. So they dismissed her, her complaints and ultimately mm-hmm. sent her home, right? Yes. He, they told me yeah, they were going to keep her for 20 three hours and they did not they didn't come in and evaluate her he didn't come in and talk to her he didn't come in and ask her one question nothing they took a urinalysis they the girl goes you have protein in your urine they never told her how much or what or what it, that meant no explaining we had no idea what preeclampsia was but we didn't know we hadn't heard it's not brought to attention very much in doctor's offices, which is another reason I don't understand. That's another whole subject. Um, but, yeah, basically, he told, he, he, not basically, he did totally neglect. He didn't even, there's no notes. There's nothing. He did absolutely nothing. The tragedy of that is that this is, is such a well-known and easily treatable, if not preventable, symptom uh, yeah. or complication of pregnancy. Uh, so to have sent her home uh, without identifying it uh, is just really shameful. Um, right. And I, I don't want to make you go through the live through the details again, Xavier. But then he came home and ultimately had his seizure in her sleep. Correct. 
Yeah, so uh, the day we, you know, the day we had came home and uh, everything had happened, you know, it was just a normal night. Um, I had watched TV, ate some dinner, and, um, you know, around bedtime or whatever, I don't know what time it was, but um, gave her a kiss goodnight, told her I loved her, and gave the baby a kiss um, on her stomach. And, uh, you know, we just kind of cuddled up and went to bed just like any other day. And then uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, and uh, I had, you know, saw her kind of moving. And my first thought was just like, oh, she's moving the covers. Uh, but then I had like this eerie feeling. Like, I don't, I don't know if anybody's ever got that feeling when they just felt like something was wrong. So um, I immediately kind of popped my head up even more. And then that's when I uh, seen her having her, her seizure and her jaw was locked and everything like that. And um, that's when, you know, I called the ambulance and uh, was instructed to give her chest compressions to you know, help, help her. Um, and, you know, I believe she, I believe she took her last breath in her arms for sure. Um, just, you know, that's just what I believe. And, you know, she just hearing her, her breath, you know, that last breath kind of go away was, it was, I don't know, one of those things that you just kind of know, you know, um, and then proceeded to go to the hospital. And then that's when everything had happened there at the hospital. And so when they weren't able to save Demi, uh, they delivered your son um, and another series of mistakes occurred after uh, after he was delivered. And ultimately, they weren't able to save him either. Right. Um, so when I, you know, when we were in the ER and they were doing the C-section and things like that, and you see everybody kind of running around and um, it was just a lot, it felt like a lot of commotion, you know, at that time, my body, my body's like, my mind's not even there. I should say, you know, my mind is, I couldn't even tell you where my mind was. Um, but seeing everybody run around and hearing people crying in the background and screaming and things like that, it's just it's a real moment. And then, uh, you know, I'm waiting for the doctor to come back to see what had happened. And that's when he had came up and he asked who the husband was. And I said, that's me. And he, and that's when he was like, um, I'm sorry, but your wife has passed. And you could just hear everybody in the background and, uh, you know, people hitting the, the floor and things like that and just screaming and crying. And, and then he was like, but your son has lived. But your son is still alive. So at that point, that's when I uh, was walking towards to where uh, Demi and Malachi were. And I uh, got another opportunity to, to sit with Demi for, you know, kind of one last time kind of deal so I spent like a couple seconds there just gave her a kiss and told her I loved her again and uh, at that point that was the first time I seen Malachi um, and it looked like he was you know like in a seizure state he was shaking pretty crazy and uh, at that point they took us up to the, the ICU unit you know and we're working on him and things like that and um, I was kind of you just in shock, you know, it didn't feel real at all. Oh, I'm on. I just, I can't, I can't even imagine. I'm, I'm so sorry uh, that you, that you both had to go through this. Um, Thank you. It, uh, now, if I'm, I, I'm right, ultimately, uh, he was transferred to a hospital with better resources, but at that point, it was too right. late to save Malachi as well. Correct. So then at that point, that's when he, 
I guess, told us about uh, the Valley Children's in um, Merced, and Malachi was flown out uh, via helicopter um, over there. And it took him a, a while to get him stable, um, to get him breathing on his own and things like that. So uh, once he was flown out to um, Fresno, um, Merced, I'm sorry, and um, that's when, when I was on my way, that's when I had got a call from the doctor, um, the Merced doctor, the Valley Children's Hospital. And, you know, so that there was, I had to give him permission to give him blood platelets and all permission to kind of do uh, more things to save my son's life pretty much. And uh, about the time I got, but he pretty much told me that I wasn't looking too good when I got on the phone with him. That was pretty much the summary of that phone call. And so um, while I'm still on my way over there, once I get there, um, I go up into the room where they have Malachi and uh, see the doctor and he tells me, you know, they, he pretty much did everything they could for, for Malachi, but, uh, there was no brain activity. So he was pretty much telling me like that was it, you know? So at that point, um, you know, I just spent some time alone with him and just kind of put my hand on him and was just watching him just breathe on, you know, breathe on the machines and things like that. And, um, I, uh, I had pretty much had to tell my family, you know, some of my family was there, so I told them the news too. And uh, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to have uh, two pastors uh, come over and pray with my son um, and pray with all of our family that was there. And um, I got to pray with him one more time. And then uh, at that point, I got the opportunity to change his diaper and the, uh, the cool thing about it, you know, I think it's pretty cool is uh, when I changed his diaper, um, he actually peed on me. So I was like, dang, that was his way of saying like, you know, I got you, dad, kind of thing. So it was, no, you're it was there, dad. crazy. Yeah, exactly. So it was just, uh, it was crazy. Uh, you know, I'll never forget that. So it was kind of, for me at that moment, I was like, dang, he knows I'm here with him, you know. So um, it was pretty cool. And at that point after... You know, I changed his diaper and things like that. That's when I uh, decided to, you know, my family got to spend a little bit of time with him while he was still right there. And at that point, that's when I decided to um, take him off life support. And at that point, uh, I got to hold him and I walked him uh, down this hallway. And I came into this room and when I walked in the room, it was like a uh, big wooden rocking chair. Like you see in like those old scary movies, like it was this big <laughs> old one. And... um you know, I'm holding my son and I'm walking him in there down the down the hospital hall and, you know, walk into the room, you see the chair. And, you know, I sit down on the chair and I just rock my son until, you know, he takes his last breath. Uh, I was able to get a uh, recording of his heartbeat. So I have that in like a little stuffed animal, which is pretty cool that the hospital gave me. And um, and then I just sat there and rocked him, uh, rocked him until he took his last breath. So both of them had passed in my arms, you know, so... Um, very grateful for that for that moment to be able to uh, you know have that last couple of seconds with you know the people I love the most in the world. So um, you know as as time went on, I see it more as a a blessing because not a lot of people uh, get to have that that opportunity to see their loved one in you know their last few seconds. So it's just really an honor, and uh, yeah, I'm just very grateful. Mm. So a, a moment you 
never should have had the experience if it weren't for the series of mistakes that these medical providers made. Maybe, um, Tracy, you can tell us a little bit about, I know that you started looking for answers and sought to hold them accountable in court and learned about this law uh, that caps compensation when a young woman or a child uh, dies because of medical negligence. And and also that um, this was not the first time that her doctor had harmed someone. Oh, no. Um, Dr. Park um, has a long history of it. And um, if you, I don't understand how they could let him after the 2016 young lady passed, still keep his license and be able to have privileges at hospitals. They all know about it, you know, and so if he was not practicing and you know, got disciplined right and properly by the medical board, my daughter would have never went in and seen him. My daughter would have never went to a doctor with a record like that never walked in a facility that even allowed someone to work like that. Um, and it should have been her right to know. It should be on the door. It should be in a letter. You can't even go to a restaurant in California without it being rated and be public rated. The medical board did not put its disciplinary actions until, what, a month ago? So it took them four years that he had full reign of farming women? And that, I don't, to, yeah, that doesn't make a bit. I mean, I don't know anybody that could harm so many people and get five years of probation. I mean, literally take a life. Literally. And, um, you know, the cap, yes, the 250 cap, you know, needs to be changed. Because if lawyers take these cases, then they'll put, doctors will be more accountable because they know they're going to get sued. They know that their their person that they're working on is only worth two fifty. That's a, you know that's not right. You can't put a price on a life. You can't put a price on what me and Xavier and my family goes through every day. We wake up, you know, their lives go on, the medical board's life go on. They don't understand what my family is going through and Xavier especially. And to put your trust in the doctors, like we're taught, they're the doctors. They went to school. They're, they should know better. And, you know, that's what you're taught, to listen to the doctors. I'm not a doctor, you know. And they failed her numerously, so many ways. So many, and Malachi, even more ways. He got nothing. They did nothing right here in the hospital here. Nothing. Everything they did, Merced said, was wrong. Um, you don't even understand what took them so long to deliver her. I mean, there's so many questions and so many neglects. And it started with Dr. Park. It started. So if I can just, just so our listeners really understand the full picture of, of his history, um, you've met now at least eight families who had a daughter or a baby harmed by this doctor. Um, he previously had been disciplined for causing by the medical board of California, his regulator, 
who's in charge of making sure that his patients are safe for mm-hmm. causing the deaths of two other babies. Uh, he was under investigation for traumatically uh, injuring another mother and causing her death when Demi and when he became Demi's doctor. And so, what you're saying about if you had known, you never would have seen him. Um, it really falls. It, it's a failure of state regulators and the Medical mm-hmm. Board of California to to take dangerous doctors out of practice. And and just to put that last point on it, they're investigating Demi's case right now, if I'm correct about that. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, the doctor is continuing to practice and is on, uh, you know, some uh, probation, but continues to practice um, in the community of Bakersfield. And correct me if I'm wrong, um, but... Um, you, when you um, looked for an attorney to try to hold this doctor accountable to get some answers, um, you were lucky enough to find one, but you have had to pay every cost out of pocket, correct? Yes. And that ends up being a tremendous uh, financial burden, I, I, I can only imagine. You know, yeah. But any parent's going to fight with their child and do what they got to do and make it right, you know. Um, well, I did. It's, we all did. We've all been in this fight now to um, for justice, you know. And, and, and it's not like this. It's not going to bring Demi and Malachi back, but it will help others. Yeah. And we have to financially do it on our own, yes. That's true. Well, I I, I, want, I really want to thank you guys both for everything that you're doing to um, both um, hold this particular doctor accountable, but um, let the community of Bakersfield know um, what the rights are, what the truth is about um, this position, and um, to to demand some change to make uh, patients safer safer in, in Bakersfield and California. So thank you both. Thank you. Yeah, we just we just really just don't want this to to happen, you know, to any other family because no family should ever have to go through something like this. Um, so, really, you know, not only is this for for my family, but really for the, like you said, the whole community and even the whole state, and for everybody that you know is planning on having a baby or you know just found out they're pregnant or know somebody, you know, we just kind of want to let everybody know because it's just. Uh, it's tough. It's a tough life, you know, to wake up, you know, just with the habit in your head, you know, and, you know, just to lose the bet, you know, your world and things like that. So, um, yeah, just thank you for the opportunity, Carmen, for allowing us to be on here. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you both again. And thank you for your fight for, for justice. We'll keep doing everything we can to support that fight. Um, that's it for this week. Uh, we'll thank you all again, and thanks, Tracy and Xavier, for joining us on the Rage for Justice report. For all of our listeners, um, you can join their efforts and press the medical board to act uh, by going to our website um, and clicking on our social media extensions. Uh, you can take action uh, to make sure that this doctor loses his, li- his license. 
And of course, um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your uh, podcast. Apple iTunes, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, anywhere online. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. This is Bud Middle Age for Justice Report.